brings both joyful feelings. Um, maybe you're like me, and as the weather gets a little warmer, uh, you go and have your campfires. Maybe, maybe you sit around the campfire, because it's not too hot, yet it's not too cold, so you can cozy up by the fire, and maybe you're okay with having people join you at that campfire. I would hope so. hope you're not always by yourself in isolation. But there's something fun and really, truly wonderful when you get people together, and maybe if they bring marshmallows or some chocolate, you know, with some graham crackers, then you're getting into some, some s'mores. Then you're going to have some real fun, right? And so I mentioned campfires, and I mentioned sitting around a campfire. It's all in purpose, because when we look at today's uh, portion of Scripture, we're going to see how Jesus, after his resurrection, he came and he, he got down into a conversation with one of his beloved disciples that we know very well as Peter. And it's at that fireplace or the charcoal fire that he and Peter have a heart to heart. We know that heart to hearts are good, aren't they? When you can just get down and personal and be real with one another. And so let's go there, John chapter 21. And, uh, you know, it's an exciting time because the resurrection has happened as we were looking at last week with Easter and celebrating that. And Jesus now is um, revealing himself to them for a third time. And it says, after Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel... Zedebi's sons and two others of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. We're coming with you, they told him. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Friends, Jesus called to them. You don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he had told them, and you will find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. The disciples and the one Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his other clothing around him, for he had taken it off and plunged into the sea. Since they were not far from land, about a hundred yards away, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish laying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed up, hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And so here we have Jesus has shown up on the shoreline. Peter and the others have gone back to what is familiar. They were fishermen before Jesus said, come and follow me and I'll make you a fisherman of people. For all the different reasons and reasons why they went to fishing, they're there. They're fishing. And for Peter, in a sense, this was a step back. 
It was a step back because he had made a misstep. It was a step back because of the misstep in denying Christ three times. And so he returned in a way, he retreated to this, this boat to fish. Some have said, well, maybe it was a familiar thing for Peter that would bring him some peace in his life. Other, other comments, writers on this subject would say, well, no, you know, Peter outright denied Christ, and so we thought maybe he was no longer welcome. Whatever those reasons may be, we want to highlight the fact here that Jesus, regardless of all that, he's on the shore. He's on the shore and he's calling out to them. And he's giving them instruction. He's leading them how they can, you know, capture a great catch of fish. But it's not all about the fish. It's showing, you know, truly a sign that it is Jesus and he's able to provide and make this provision. But here there's something else that's happening. There's, There's an exchange happening where Jesus is saying to especially Simon Peter, welcome back. Come to the shore. Let's have a chat. And so they're on the shore and they're at this fire and they're getting down to the real business. It goes on here in verse 15. It says, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to them, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. And a second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. And he asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, which we can relate with this here today, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And so Jesus says to Simon Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. You know, maybe you're here today and you've made a misstep like Peter. Maybe there's been a calling on your life, and for whatever reasons, for all intents and purposes, you did, you, you misstepped. And maybe you retreated from that call like, like Peter and you went fishing, whatever your fishing may be. But here, very practically, speaking into our life is Jesus is showing us through this um, encounter that he is never set on keeping us on the outs. His plan and purpose isn't to exclude us, but to include us. Not for us to remain in our sorrow or our grief of denying him or misstepping, but to truly experience that favor, the favor that comes when we remain on mission or the calling that he has sent us to do. And as I was reading this passage and, you know, really seeing myself in some respects in this story, I wrote this down and I want to actually repeat it to you word for word. And I wrote this, kind of the big idea here. The universal church is not a family of sinless people. Rather, we're a family of forgiven sinners who by God's grace are made righteous and empowered by God's breath, his Holy Spirit, 
to do the work he sent us to do. And sometimes it's in those missteps we're truly able to see God's grace work. I've been there. You've been there. We've all misstepped. We've done things where we look back and we're like, what was I thinking? Peter is one of those people. I'm sure when he's on the boat and he's not catching any fish, like us, he may have had moments of flashbacks remembering that account where Jesus was hauled before the council of Pharisees before he was put to death. And he was there watching and people came to him and said, hey, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? And three times he said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Three times. And so he's on this boat, and I couldn't help but think of this point. First point is, sometimes we are our own worst critic. Sometimes we're our own worst critic. Sometimes we think because of what we've done, that's it. Let's pack in the towel, Graham. I'm done. And that's exactly what the enemy of our souls, the enemy of my soul, wants me to think, wants you to think. You're done. Yeah, we might as well just be finished. And so here you have Simon Peter in whom Jesus said, when he talked about the kingdom of God, he looked at Simon Peter and said, upon this rock, Peter, I will build my church. And so rightfully so, through this denial, the enemy of his soul wanted to get Peter off the game plan. He wanted to remove him from the field and put him on the sidelines. And so in a sense, by him going back to his boat, he's put himself out of the game. Going to back to what is familiar. And not only that, who did he take with him? The other disciples. We're going to go too. We're going to go fishing. And I love it that Jesus isn't on the sideline saying, my friends, what are you doing? I called you to be fishermen of people, but you're out there fishing for fish. Like actual fish. And with all intents and purposes, in the, in the proper way of a true shepherd, he calls out to them. And he provides the need because they've been working hard. They must be hungry. We see that Peter wasn't wearing a shirt because he may be sunburned. I don't know. And so he's gonna need some, they're going to need some sustenance. They're going to need some relief. They get to the shore. He provides for them. And yet he says, bring me what you have. Bring me some of your fish. But we see here about verses 9 through to 12, it shows that Jesus had already made breakfast. He already had fish. Jesus was able to provide for himself. He didn't need their fish, but he wanted to show them, I'm still going to use you, Simon Peter. You know, sometimes we get this feeling, and it, this is, I don't know if anyone's ever said this, I'm sure they have, but as I was reading this passage, sometimes we may act like Jesus can't do it without us. They're like, he can't do anything, I'm his hands, I'm his feet, and there's a song by Audio Adrenaline, I want to be your hands, I want to be your feet, I'll go where you send me. It's a great song, you guys should play it sometime. And, um, you know, a lot of times we think like, he can't do it without us. Jesus, you're just, man, you must be so tickled pink up in heaven that I'm a part of your team. Look what I'm doing for you, Lord. And sometimes it's a healthy thing to have that confidence because we have that reassuring presence of the Holy Spirit that says, Judy, I, I got your back. I'm the, I'm the wind behind what you're doing, the calling I put upon your life. 
But sometimes we do need a little bit of a course correction, a little reorientation here. And so in many respects, he's reorientating the followers. And yes, sometimes we can be our own worst critic. Point number two is this. We need to fight the flight. Fight the flight. Fight the urge to flight, to to move away, to move away from what God has called us to. Remember, he said, come follow me. Dan, follow me and I'll make you a fisherman of people. And so he says to Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you, Lord. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Shepherd my sheep. So he's saying when he says shepherd my sheep, just think about that for a moment. This hit me like a ton of bricks, okay? It might might hit you in a different way. Feeding and shepherding is very different. When a shepherd, when they're feeding their sheep, they're taking care of their basic needs. But shepherding, they're leading the sheep in the ways that they need to go to make sure they're not, you know, walking too close to a dangerous cliff or going to where the wolves may be. Peter, when he's on the boat and he's fishing, he's not out amongst God's people teaching them about the kingdom of God. And so we know the wolf is out there. The wolf is among the people. And we know the hireling doesn't care about God's people. And so Peter and the followers of Christ, they need to be about the Lord's business. Shepherding the sheep. Feeding the sheep. This isn't a time to self-loathe. We can be our own worst critic. We got to fight the flight. And so Jesus, he welcomes Peter in this conversation and he prompts him with these questions. How many of you have experienced that when someone asks prompting questions, it's the gateway to healing? I've experienced that I, I, many times as a young lad when my, my dad would, you know, pull me aside. And if there was something maybe kind of wasn't even, you know, a part of my character would have you. He'd say, you know, Andrew, like, what, what were you thinking? I'd be like, well, I wasn't thinking. <laughs> but it's in those questions, you know, when he asks the, the very subtle, you know, well, why did you go about that plan? Or why did you do it in, in that way? Here we see Jesus is asking the, the simple question, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Well, don't remain in the place where you are. Yeah, you denied me, but that was yesterday. We're looking at today. Jesus told his followers before he ever went to the cross, he said that this, don't be afraid, little flock. This is in Luke 12, 32. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights in giving you the kingdom. Your father delights in giving you the kingdom. He wants to unleash the kingdom of God upon us. But because he's a, a, a gentle God, yet he, he's also a generous God, he doesn't impose his will on us because of you know, free will and worship, he's going to give us the opportunity to walk in that favor or to retreat from it. Just think about that verse for a moment. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights in giving you the kingdom. Here, I believe Jesus is showing his disciples, remember what I called you to? I'm going to make you a fisherman of people. 
I really believe that this sign of the fish, of the massive amount that didn't even break the nets was key, was important because he's showing I can provide for you. You're going to bring in a great harvest and you're going to be able to do it. You're not going to break under its pressure. The people that I'm going to use you to speak to, you're not going to break under that pressure. You're not going to deny me. Maybe perhaps you might have a little bit of an identity crisis from time to time. We know Peter at one point was one way with the uh, the religious people and another way with the Gentiles, and yet they didn't break. After this encounter on the shoreline at this charcoal fire, the followers of Christ never broke. In fact, we see in Acts that when they were hemmed in and brought before a council, even threatened with death, they went and prayed and the Holy Spirit shook the place where they were and they were filled with boldness to proclaim the gospel of grace. And really, for all intents and purposes, this began at the shoreline. At the, at the tomb of the resurrection, new creation began and resurrection life was made possible. But it was at this shoreline, at the charcoal fire, where the, the men of God, the followers of Christ, even the women that would have been attendants, were now unleashed upon the world. And shortly after this, Jesus ascended into heaven. And as he's ascending to heaven, we all know what happened, right? probably this incredible scene of a host of angels. Because remember, when Jesus was on the cross, we already knew beforehand that Jesus said, my kingdom is not this kingdom. If I wanted, I could call down legions of angels. Legions. That's thousands upon thousands of angels. And as he's being caught up into the air into heaven, the angel says to the followers, he says, why are you looking up into heaven? The Son of Man will return in the way in which he left. So the point was for them not to be gazing and focusing on, well, our Lord is now gone, but now again to be focused on mission. Be focused on what he had called them to, to get back into the game. I mentioned a little bit earlier about sports, being on the sidelines. How many have actually played an organized sport? Whatever it may be, when you're on the sidelines, and I'm not speaking against those, because you may be hearing like, well, I like being in the crowd. I like cheering people on. That's the part. I'm, I'm not talking about the cheer section. The cheer section is really important. But there's something about getting off the bench and getting into the game, encountering the game. It's completely different when you're at ice level, when you're watching hockey or other sports. It's completely different in real time. But there's things we're able to learn when we remove ourselves from that sideline, when Jesus calls us and says, I don't want you sitting on the sideline. I want you in the game. And like he gave the provision with the fish, he's going to give you and I provision. So we need to fight the fight, to flight. Sometimes we can be our own worst critic. But the important thing to remember is that Jesus is all about restoration. So the next time that you're, you're having these thoughts of doubt, the next time you're hemmed in or you're maybe even tempted to do something that you used to do, maybe going back to a former way of life, just remember that Jesus, he wants to restore you. It's not over for you. We've all had things, and we all know what those things are, that if we're not careful, they can really have their way in our life and become like a brick wall or a dam, if you will. 
But thankfully, as we were singing earlier, bro and, and Brad and worship team, as we were singing that song, you know, Jesus, he's worthy because he's able to break down those uh, walls, those barriers, and bring provision into our life so we can truly be like the followers of Christ to be his sent ones in the world. But it's not going to be without a challenge. Check this out. As Peter has um, had this conversation with Jesus, and Jesus says, feed my sheep. And then he says this. And this is important because sometimes we can think, you know, the Christian life is all rosy. We, we know it's far from rosy. Look what he says to Peter. Truly I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk where you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. And he, and he said this to indicate by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. But Jesus didn't stop there. Look how he ends it. He says, after saying this, he told him, follow me. So when, they first, when Jesus first called his followers, he said, follow me, I'll make you a fisherman of people. Flash forward, at one point, Peter denied Christ. And yet after that denial, he says to Peter, feed my sheep. Shepherd my lambs. Follow me. Jesus is all about welcoming us back, getting us back in the game. I'm going to invite Brad and the team to come to wrap things up. Sometimes, and I'm speaking from the heart, we really are our own worst enemy. And as the worship team prepares just to, you know, close this out and to lead us in some worship. This really hit home when I was pondering how Jesus could forgive Christ. I mean, uh, Jesus could forgive Peter. <laughs> I mean, he denied him, right? How many times has someone not really had your back? We've had those friends... And you, and you might think, I thought you were my friend. I, I thought you really cared for me. How, how could you do such a thing? And sometimes on the other side of things, we create those walls with our friends. And Jesus said this regarding caring for one another and restoring one another and forgiving one another. He says this, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he won't listen, take one or two others with you so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. And Peter asked him one time, think about it, Peter, before this, this whole story, this breakfast by the fire. In Matthew 18, he says, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? And he says, Jesus says this, I tell you, not as many as seven, but 70 times seven. It's an infinite amount. Seven is the number of perfection. We're, we're to rely on the breath of the Spirit of God to walk and move in this way. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him, but let it be between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you have won your brother. 
So Jesus, they had this encounter, this conversation at the charcoal fire. Jesus asked prompting questions, but through this encounter, this breakfast over the fire, he was able to restore Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, shepherd my lambs, and follow me. I have to tell you, this, this is probably one of the most practical um, applications of the encounter between Jesus and his disciples um, that we will ever need. Because in life, we know that we all misstep. We all fall short of the glory of God. We hurt each other. We say things that sometimes we don't mean them. Other times we do mean them, but we can, man, we can cause a lot of ruckus. <laughs> And we retreat. We can be our own worst critic. But may I submit to you this afternoon as I'm speaking and preaching to myself, like Jesus calling from the shoreline, in what ways is he calling us to act like he did to those on those type of boats in life? People who maybe even have retreated from the call of God on their life. Maybe they've, you know, sold themselves short and they've just packed it in. Jesus is showing us how to engage those people. I, like you, have a, I have friends and colleagues. I've even been to Bible school, and they're not serving the Lord. And sometimes I'm like, what were you thinking? Like my father used to say, you know, Andrew, what were you thinking? I wasn't thinking. That's just sometimes the same kind of feelings I have when I think about my, my own friends. But I think this is a really appropriate, practical application. That if Jesus was willing to welcome back Peter into his fold, if you will. Who are we willing to welcome back? How many times do we forgive one another? 70 times seven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you even in the preparation, even in, in some respects, a, a difficult message to share. Lord, I know this was on my heart and speaking to me as well as those who are here today. Father, I pray by your spirit, you will empower us by your living breath to receive your word. May it wash over us. Bind us together as your family, O oh Lord. And to get us back on track, not that we're off track, but to keep us on track in the, in the callings and the giftings that you have given us to be shining lights in this world as your ambassadors. Father, you've given us, each person here, many talents and abilities. Father, we come against the enemy who wants to sow seeds of division, who wants to sow seeds of doubt in our life to get us off course, to get us out of the game, if you will. Father, I thank you for your grace, your tremendous favor that we're fully forgiven and fully righteous because of our faith in you. Thank you, Lord, that you continue to provide. You continue to amaze us with your grace. Lord, that we won't buckle under pressure as you provide and make a way for us. Lord, would you use us to call people to you? Would you use this church to be a shining light in this community and abroad? Lord, give us, Lord, as we cast the nets, Lord, would you fill the nets full of souls who want to hear your voice? Lord, may they be transformed by your living and enduring word. Use us, God. Have your way 
in our life. In Jesus' name, you're worthy of all our praise.